We are Science Fiction Remnant, Season 2, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. Music provided by the Atlas. Movie Predator. Cool thing about blind knowledge is we are in multiple countries. We are worldwide all across the globe. We are in the US, we are in the UK, we are in Canada, Germany, India, Japan. We're in Australia, y'all. Blindknowledge.com. Now back to the feature presentation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant, Season 2. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you find this episode as exciting to listen to as it was for us to create for you. But before we start this episode, I want to take this opportunity to present to you some podcasts we think you might enjoy. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. We are Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. Join us each week as we dive into the depths of streaming movies for the greater good. You can find us on Twitter at Cheap Seat Cast, Facebook.com slash Cheap Seat Reviews, and our website is CheapSeatReviews.Libsyn.com. All for the greater good. How can this be for the greater good? Shut it! You know what pairs great with the podcast you're listening to right now? Another podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse from Open Pike Night, the Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast where your personal logs are the prime directive. Hey, Open Pike Night. Hi, it's Peter again. Hi, Open Pike Night. This is Mariah calling from Seattle. You guide our discussion episode by episode during the season. And after that... This is Melissa Navia. This is Henry Alonzo Myers. This is Akela Cooper. This is Bruce Horak. Ask your questions directly to the people who make the show. Wow, great questions. Uh, it was Michelle and Mariah, is that right? Well, I'll tell you my experience is that... Uh, Check us out at openpike.com or use the podcast app you're listening to right now to find that subscribe button. Hey guys, if we pull this off, it's officially the Open Pike Maneuver. And hit it. You are listening to Open Pike Night. The official podcast of Sam Kirk's Mustache. Which is why it feels like your brain is being squeezed through your nose. Billy, you know something. What is it? I'm scared, Poncho. Bullshit. You ain't afraid of no man. There's something out there waiting for us, and it ain't no man. We're all gonna die. Go! Run! Get to the chopper! I don't remember it going quite like that, but there's <laughs> <laughs> a bit in between. But anyway. uh, welcome everybody to another episode. Um, we are talking about Predator. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's pretty that much it. <laughs> oh God! I hope you guys enjoyed Nothing this episode. Essential to actually the movie films. <laughs> well this movie's so quotable you know oh god is it oh my god and i i don't know i, I 
don't know why we haven't done this one before. It's, it's such an iconic movie, but and so much fun. Well, we're just waiting to get to the chopper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. You're hit, man. You're bleeding. I ain't got time to bleed. You got time to duck. <laughs> <laughs> I was showing you Robert, actually. I was doing some fun art for it. Oh, yeah. Cool. Get closer to the camera. Let's see. And yeah, they're awesome. Ooh. Awesome. So for all of you who are listening to the show, you might want to wait for the YouTube to be uploaded and you get to see Captain Chaos art. I was actually oh. I actually thankful of it because I was having an artist block, so I was not being able to draw anything. Mm -hmm. I started watching this movie and it just came out. I was like, oh, nice. Feels nice. good. Awesome. It's alive. So before we get into uh, anything else, uh, let's start with our first segment. Defied science fiction remnant. And you know, if you hear, if you have listened to the show uh, long enough, you know this is a part of the show where you could get to be featured. So there's two ways to do that. You could actually tweet at us or call our hotline. The hotline is one three zero five. 563-6334 and let us know how do you define us to someone that has not heard us and loves sci-fi uh, as much as we do. Um, so we have one for today and this comes from our good friend Steve Horizon Brave. Uh, the um, hashtag on Twitter is MyGhostWorld uh, where he says, and I'm kind of curious to see what you guys think about this comment. It says, it's a cubicle water cooler talk that you have when you know your boss is long gone and you can't lose the tie, close the spreadsheets oh, yeah. I love that for the day, <laughs> and just get stuck in talking about your favorite shows, books, and movies. And that's a reference to an office worker there, which I'm very familiar with. Me too. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Those are the best moments in the office, man. They are fucked up when the boss of the supervisor goes, Hey, give you get to work. Like, back back to your back to the cubicle. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this is this is awesome. This is pretty much this is what how science fiction remnant would have been if we were actually recording from the office. Yep. <laughs> you just see the group making podcasts and playtime. time. Um, the water dispenser, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for any manager that is looking down on us, it's better than pooping on the clock. Robert's <laughs> joke. Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah, there's an inside joke there. So, you know. Oh, trust me, Robert can't do that. He can't afford to do it. He will be searched in the bathroom. <laughs> that's how indispensable he is at his workplace. Oh, God. But yeah, uh, Steve, thank you so much. Um, not only for uh, this comment, um, which is very poignant, it's on point, but also for your your engagement with uh, with the show. We really appreciate it. Much appreciated. And uh, that which should take us to the next segment. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Accord Level 2 Podcast. This is Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable and Open Pike Night. This is Sci-Fi 
And this segment, we basically feature the hashtag, this is sci-fi. And it's a hashtag where we can get together as sci-fi fans and, and just geek out about what we love individually. And, and that is a cool thing that I, I feel about the hashtag is that you could basically just love one thing, just one thing. And you share that love to that one thing. And uh, we have other people doing the same. You have one thing you love and you share. And we all enjoy from everybody else. And, and that's one of the cool things that I find about the hashtags uh, so far. Um, the, the, the talk, the interaction. Um, I want to talk about one in particular that happened today. Um, that I, I wanted to do basically is one of the questions that we have asked in many of the previous shows uh, concerning our, you know, our love uh, to sci-fi. And um, oh, it's not concerning hobbits. Nah, well, maybe for you, but <laughs> maybe maybe for for Captain Chaos is is covering hobbits. But um, this one is I basically ask a question that I ask in, in in most of the shows that we do, and you're familiar with it. So basically, started with saying Sunday Sci-Fi Reflection. Um, what is the first thing you saw that you credited for getting you into science fiction, and how old? Were you? I go first. I was six years old when I saw Logan's Run. This is sci-fi. And, and that's the entire message. And um, I'm really pleased to see the, the engagement and the interaction. Um, it, it, full of nostalgia. Um, and I, I really thank everybody involved in that conversation. Because um, I'm loving it. I mean, there's... Um, ba -da -ba -ba -ba. there you go there, <laughs> there there is um uh conversations about what we you know each one of you found to be the the the, the one thing that they made them a sci-fi lover in the years like for example there's one here uh that i can say this person was three years old um, and that I find that so fascinating because at that age, you know, granted, you don't remember most of the stuff that you're watching, uh, but there's an impression. There's a huge impression, especially on Star Wars. Uh, when you see Darth Vader, this, this, you know, huge figure on this huge screen and it causes an impression. Um, and, and I love this about, um, the, the the having that those kind of experiences because you watch that um later in life and and it's just part of you it's um and you have a different experience as 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 you grow older of the same experience so you are experiencing multiple things uh across your your lifespan um what do you guys think about that i don't know if you guys have had had time to go through that through that uh um, that thread, but um, it, it's it's amazing to see the conversations uh, that I see on um, on this thread about what made us the sci-fi lover that we are today. Um, Gio, can can I, I, I think we we talked behind the camera, but um, can you say what really got you into sci-fi? Uh, and how old were you? 
Uh, I think that one of the first movies, and I think I've seen, said this on previous episodes, is Contact. And I was fairly young. I think Contact was in 1986. Um, maybe seven. Not more than that, I think. And I was maybe six or seven. And it, is, it was a movie that I just kept on watching and repeating and repeating. Like, I couldn't get my head around it. But to me, filmmaking on a whole and sci-fi revolves around a lot about that. It's, it cannot be something brainless. It will not capture my attention. And sci-fi always is brainy. It has so much more going beneath the, the scenes. And so that's one of the things that always kept me as a sci-fi lover unknowingly of it. Because until we start like talking about and watching a lot of movies, Robert and I, uh, we did not realize that I was a sci-fi lover. Yeah. But but when you come to think of all the movies that I watch, it's like I don't watch something much more than that, really. Yeah. Brainy stuff. Mm-hmm. And would I be wrong in saying that maybe it would be Star Wars for you, uh, Ray? No, Star Wars was way later, man. Oh, okay. um, so I think that now it's it's really hard to remember because it was a long time ago, but um, I think it was 1973. I was on holidays with um, with my parents, uh, as you do when you're three. You don't really go on holidays <laughs> with anyone else. But um, we'd gone to an unusual place that year it was um a town on the north coast of new south wales called port macquarie and i have you, you know when you have it's almost like it's not me- proper memories it's like photographs like stills because your memory was so young that you couldn't like it wasn't a movie it was still blurry yes no it wasn't that blurry stills it's just rather stills. than the moving pictures but um I remember we stayed in an apartment building, which was unusual because we usually stayed in like villas or, you know, low to the ground stuff because my parents had two small kids at the time. But we stayed in this apartment building. I thought, oh, my God, this is so high because I don't think I'd ever been in a building that high before. Um, And I remember coming off the the, like the balcony because it was was an open staircase. and and then you go up to the room. It was like a motel, but it was like like seven or eight stories high, which was completely new to me. I remember going inside the room and and my mother turned the TV on and there was the Thunderbirds. Was oh. on and I was completely enamored. Nice. Thunderbirds are go. And then the whole. I love that show. <laughs> and, and tell me you that, tried that, to that, jump off the roof or something. I'm pretty sure the same that I, I that was probably in September of '73, and I think also in the same year I'd seen a couple of part episodes of Star Trek: The Original Series on Saturday afternoon television, and it was a bit slower than Thunderbirds, so I wasn't that interested in it. But I, I still remember the the ship flying around and Mr. Spock and stuff like that. But I don't remember any of the details of that. But I do remember the Thunderbirds because they were weird, man. They were this whole janky arms bobbing up and down thing. Um, but, you know, all the all the rocket ships and international rescue and everything was just amazing. And I remember that vividly. Uh, it stuck in my head. Oh, yeah, that's the guys. Yeah, if you guys are watching the YouTube stream, uh, you could see uh, I actually put a picture of the Thunderbirds, um, mainly for Gio, because I'm sure he hasn't seen it. No. 
that show was looks really creepy. good. Huh? Looks creepy. Looks creepy. Well, there's marionettes, and you could see the string. <laughs> you could actually see the strings when they were walking. And the lady Penelope Clayton Ward. <laughs> In that, in that car that she used to drive around in? Yeah. I love that show. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> oh, run! Get to the chopper! <laughs> <laughs> Just oh. to bring us back. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be the, the re-railing quote. Yes. yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Man, you you bring you you bring back memories. I I remember watching mm. the show on TV. Um, yeah, I was I was that young. I, I was three, you know, three years old. So it's you well, know it I watched. Really it. Nice. So older than I am. Huh? Uh, it it was originally sixty five, so it's older than I am. When wasn't it seventy three? Let me see. No, Thunderbirds was nineteen sixty five. Because I saw it when I was really young. I can barely... Yeah, I'll tell you. i tell you. I actually got to watch something as a kid that somebody that is older than you guys told me it was from your time. Stuff made out of love. Which one? Stuff made, made out of fluff. They, they used to call it on my time the banana splits. And there it was like some guys dressed up as animals. Oh, I love the banana like a band. But it's not yeah. sci-fi. Unless you can't. No, no, no. It's not sci-fi, but it was like, like in my time, like I used to watch things that were older than my time. Like what is considered in Cartoon Network now, Boomerang wasn't a Boomerang back then. It was just Cartoon Network, like Huckleberry Hound, uh, the Flintstones, the Jetsons. That was just Cartoon Network back then. I remember Filmation. What do you remember? I remember Filmation. Filmation. Is it it sad that I can sing most of the intro songs? To those shows, but I can't remember what I did last week. Is <laughs> <laughs> that <not>, man? <laughs> oh wow! Well, Gio, I think you should get to the chopper. <laughs> get to the chopper! This <laughs> oh, was sci-fi. I mean, that was pretty early on. Get to the sci-fi. Shout out. Oh, that's true. Shout outs. <laughs> Shout outs. <laughs> well, let's get on with the shout out of this episode. I'm being I'm being pushed to shout outs. Only <laughs> three back on the rails, man. It's like it's like in the account. Oh, it's like getting the chopper and like no not falling into it. <laughs> I'm going to the chopper. <laughs> Oh, it's like you're in the Academy Awards and they're, you know, playing this the music so you can shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, moving on. Well, <laughs> <laughs> for these shout outs, we're going to have a special thank you to Movie Psycho and his handle is Psych Movie, Psycho Movie, uh, Big Nick J, uh, Pixie, uh, her handle is Next on Stage One, uh, Ely Zimmerman, love his engagement all the time, man. Yeah, and he's uh, uh history um sci-fi history.net. Yeah. Uh also Tom meets interesting people. Well, I guess that he got to do that. He met us. Yeah. But <laughs> 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 and and last but not least, Steve Horizon Brave, which we actually mentioned in, in his engagement with us recently with the uh he left us a message. Thank you so much, man, for the continued support. And, I mean, we hope that we can continue to give us great content. We enjoy it, and we hope that 
you guys, all of our audience, continue to enjoy it as well. And you guys, you should feel jealous. He's in the Discord. Oh, yeah. You should all join us. And let me not forget to mention that we are actually proud members of the Blind Knowledge Network. Everybody that is listening right now, go ahead, give it a pause, and go and check them out. Go to blindnetwork.com. They have a great array of content creators. So whatever is your preference or likes, I'm sure that you're going to find something that you enjoy there. Go and check them out. Uh, and we continue with our next segments. Okay. So here we go. The Outer Remnant. Who's got something for this one? I don't. Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> Get to the little army. It's <laughs> spicy. Not me. <laughs> well, you know oh, what? No. Before we we want move on, I just want to mention um, we are doing, and you probably have noticed this by now if you if you listen to our our feed, uh, all of a sudden you see um, the the crossover. Um, it's it's going to be um, a crossover show. Basically, the idea is to feature um, other podcasts that we have listened to, that we enjoy, that we think you might enjoy. Um, so you might start seeing um, some in our feed where uh, I believe if you if you look at our feed, the, the last one that we had posted was for the FSF podcast. Um, so you're going to start seeing these on our feed. And I just want to make sure, make sure and feature and, 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 and talk of and let you know about it. Um, because all those podcasts, um, we're actually just kind of posting each other's content uh, to see if you, you know, if, if we like the content, um, uh, probably you would like the content as well. Just want to mention that um, we have been so far in the FSF podcast uh, feature. Uh, and we recently are in the Scarf um, podcast um, uh, featuring our Kenobi episode. Um, so just just so you guys know, uh, just another way that we can enjoy each other's um, content. There you go. There you That's go. good content. There you go. There you Speaking go. of which, segue. Uh, episode 149 of um, Radio Chaos happened just recently. Uh, we've gone back to the source material. That's um, Alita Battle, uh, Battle Angel Alita uh, manga or Gumu in uh, Japan. Volume 4, Chapter 2, Red Zone Race 2, Fight Like the Wind. Uh, basically, uh, at the end of the last chapter, Alita had uh, gone down against um, uh, Crimson Wind, Safael Taki, uh, the, the character's name is had um, uh, beaten her and taken the motorball off her. And so she was all beaten up and uh, she had to turn it around and get back out there and um, get a little bit of revenge. So uh, she got to the chopper and uh, got things sorted out there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a short chapter, but it's a good chapter. Um, so uh, you see um, uh, Alita take down Zafiel, but she doesn't win the race. In fact, um, a um, uh, a joke character, Teagle, um, who's this massive um, cyborg that trundles along very slowly. Um, he actually ended up winning the race on accident when he um, he picked up the the motorball fifty meters from the finish line. Um, 
when it had gone off the track. So when the motorball goes off the track, it gets uh, reset 50 metres from the finish line. And he happened to be going past the time, went, oh, the motorball grabbed. <laughs> and he jumped on the cross line and won the race. And the crowd just rioted because nobody had bet on him because there's no way he could win a race. But That's did, a so. humiliating way to lose, right? By accident. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, um, <laughs> it, it was not a popular finish. But um, yeah, it was it was a good chapter. So we covered that, and we were talking a lot in the news section about um, lots of people coming back to the Elite Army and getting all excited, having heard what um, the creatives have been saying recently. And we're all waiting with bated breath to hear what happens next because Avatar has nearly hit two billion. Avatar Two: Way of Water. So um, we're 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 hoping that there'll be some news soon about an Elite sequel. Now that um, James Cameron has uh, paid back some of that money he owes Disney. Nice. I am. I, I don't know about you guys, but I am freaking excited. I just can't wait. And as oh, I say, yeah. as I said in a previous episode, that, that actually is my entire family. Um, got my my parents as well. So, yeah. So. Ooh, nice. Ooh, nice. Nice. Love, love the duck face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Octopus lips. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what is this show about again? About getting get to, to the, the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> if it bleeds, we can eat it. I kill it. <laughs> Woman, what did you see? <laughs> Hey, we eat it too because women bleed. What? <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> okay, no comments. Next. <laughs> I want you in a whole bucket of spice just then. Luke. Not going to get in there. <laughs> oh, wow. So um, I guess we have a plot, do we? We do. We do. We do have a plot. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I have a plot. There's a plot. There's actually a plot here. Mm. So, uh, Predator was in 1987. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Predator was in 1987. Uh, its budget was around $18 million, and it, the box office was um, pushing $100 million. So, um, it did all right. Five times its budget, which uh, means it was, uh, was financially a success. And that, of course, uh, led to a whole bunch of uh, follow-ups and there was novels and comic books and games and toys. So it did pretty well. Um, Predator 2 in 1990, Predators in 2010, The Predator in 2018, and Prey in 2022. So um, Alien versus Predator, has... we have Prey. Oh, yeah. I mentioned Prey. But, um, yeah, uh, there was also the two Alien versus Predator movies, 2004 and 2007. So, uh, yeah, lots of lots of uh, other um, outings to check up on. But for this one, <clears throat> an alien spacecraft deploys a shuttle to Earth where Vietnam War veteran Major Alan Dutch Schaefer and his military rescue team, consisting of Mac, Poncho, Blaine, Billy and Hawkins, are tasked with rescuing a foreign cabinet minister and his aide from insurgents in an unspecified South American country. CIA officer Al Dillon... Uh, Vietnam War 
buddy of Duchess is assigned to accompany the team over Duchess' objections. En route, the team discovers the wreckage of a helicopter and three skinned corpses. Dutch identifies them as Green Berets that he knew and becomes suspicious of Dylan's intentions. The team reaches the guerrilla camp and witnesses the execution of a hostage. They mount an attack, killing most of the rebels and several Soviet intelligence officers. Dutch confronts Dylan, who reveals that their true mission was to stop a planned Soviet-backed invasion and that the CIA sent the Green Berets weeks earlier for the same mission. The only surviving guerrilla, Anna, is captured. Learning that more rebels are coming, the team chooses to trek to the extraction point back over the border. They are followed by an entity employing a cloaking device and thermal imaging technology, but a, sp a spooked Billy glimpses it while Anna attempts to escape. Hawkins catches her, but then the creature attacks and kills him while sparing Anna. Thatch organises the search party, but Blaine is killed by the creature's plasma weapon. In rage, Mac provokes everyone to blindly fire their weapons into the jungle, unknowingly wounding the creature. As the creature's administered as the creature administers first aid, the commandos regroup and realise that they are being hunted. Dylan believes two or three gorillas are responsible, but Billy is adamant that their pursuer is not human. Smart man. Uh, they make camp for the night and set traps, which are triggered by a wild ball. In the confusion, Mac kills it and the creature steals Blaine's body. Dutch later realises that their enemy uses the trees to travel and frees Anna, who states that her people had seen similarly mutilated bodies before. The next day, the group constructs a net trap and captures the creature, but it frees itself, and Poncho is injured. Mac and Dylan, Dylan pursue it, but are outmaneuvered and killed. As the survivors flee, Billy stays behind to fight the creature. Oh, he was smart until he did that. Yeah. The creature kills Billy before following the survivors and killing Poncho. Realising... It does not attack unarmed individuals. Dutch tells the unarmed Anna to head to the extraction point. Dutch attempts to distract the creature by fleeing, but it follows him. Uh, it, sorry. Uh, Dutch attempts to distract the creature by fleeing, but it is but is followed to a muddy riverbank and covered in mud. So Dutch gets covered in mud. That's a very bad sentence. The creature fails to see him and leaves the collected trophies from the others. Dutch realises that the cool mud providing a camouflage to his body heat. He crafts makeshift traps and weapons and lures the creature out at night with a war cry and a torch. Dutch slightly injures the creature and disables its cloaking device, but the creature files wildly into the forest and tries to escape. Uh, but accidentally uh, Dutch tries to escape and accidentally falls in the river where the water dissolves his muddy camouflage. As the creature corners Dutch, it removes his mask and plasma cannon to fight him in hand-to-hand -hand combat, having deemed him a worthy opponent. Despite being overpowered and outsmarted, Dutch attempts to goad the creature into a booby trap. It goes around, but Dutch triggers the trap anyway, crushing the creature with the trap's counterweight. With the alien mortally wounded, he asks, what the hell are you? What the hell are you? <laughs> the creature... The creature repeats the question back to Dutch and activates its self-destruct device, maniacally laughing as it counts down. <laughs> How would you be getting laughed at by an alien in your dead friend's voice? Yeah. That's creepy. Yep. <laughs> Realising what it, has, what it has done, Dutch runs for cover and survives the explosion. 
somehow looking cool. And it, and like this. And He's that, then rescued by the extraction helicopter with Anna already safely aboard, though he is left traumatized by the experience. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> that's the Jesus understatement Christ. of the year <laughs> exactly credits roll while dutch is like thousand feet stare oh, <laughs> <laughs> he was also thinking. bleeding from his ears and it was just mouth. sitting in that chopper thinking Chapa, Chapa. i should have gotten it in that chopper He's, he's, he's leaning there going, I got to the chopper. <laughs> I did it. I did it. Yeah. We are really going to kill that that quote. Oh, yeah. It's dead. It's so dead. It's doomed to happen. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. This, um, <laughs> this, this movie is so iconic. Oh, my God. Um. It is so full of testosterone, it's like leaking out of its pores. <laughs> those jokes, those sexist, sexist jokes. I, oh, yes, yes. Um, you know, there's one thing that I was, I, I was talking to uh, Gio. Um, we're actually watching the movie um, together. And I, I, I just have to say, Dutch is one lucky Muffle. Motherfucker. Because let me let me explain that. It, sure, he's not an <clears throat> ugly motherfucker. <laughs> that's predator. Well, that, that's predator, oh. you know. You, you're, you're mixing your <laughs> but here's the reason why I said, you know, he's looking cool and you know it's it's all macho and all this stuff here. But if you remember throughout the movie, he just happened to fall. Through, you know, into a river, through a, uh, you know, um, I forgot the name of this name now, Cascade. Waterfall. <laughs> Waterfall. Um, into the mud. And then being alive after all this happened, the alien is actually following. He looks at him and he's covered in mud. And that's when he realized, oh, he can see, he cannot see through the mud. Um, what would have happened if that would never, if that did not happen? The end of the movie. He didn't get to did. the chopper. Did, 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 did he did, did. So did, did. if you think about it, you know, it was literally bracing himself on the roof. Like I'm ready for you, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> literally. Well, yeah, he was, he was being, uh, George of the jungle there in, uh, in some scenes. Yeah. <laughs> So I was think I, I found something very interesting and I don't know if you guys, you know, m most likely you guys don't realize it because of the way I think, but <laughs> oh, I God. think we know how you think now. There's going to be some <laughs> really weird connection you've made. And we're like, huh? Okay. So you guys know, and I don't know if Gio knows, I'm, I'm, I think he might know this, but as a species, we are blind. Have you really thought about that? Uh, well, I, I don't know if you have, Ray or, or Geo, but we, we are kind of blind. Um, the, 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 well, our perceptory senses are not adapted to our 
environmental needs. Well, so our smell, sense of smell is blind compared to a dog. That's well, all. I want to specify, uh, I want to narrow it down to our, I want to narrow it down to our eyes. You that's know, an evo- that's an evolutionary uh, perk, basically. Exactly. So if you look at the entire light spectrum, what we can see with our eyes is very small. It is, it's really, really small. And, and that's why I'm saying, you know, as a, as a species, we are technically blind. You know, the- but if you, think, if you think about it, if you compare us to dogs, for example, we are not blind. We're actually falcons. Because dogs can see shit compared to us. But equally to dogs, we have other senses that make up for those things. Like we have the, the hearing sensory perception. We have smell perception. That is adjusted to our evolutionary needs, you know? Yeah. So let me talk about, for example, one side of the spectrum, which is the one that I feel uh, it was displayed in this movie. And it is the, uh, the infrared side. Um, this is what we would need to um, detect, or, or I think this is how they make the the inf- the uh, the heat sensing uh i want to say cameras I- i'm sure they have a name for it um but those are the, those are the, the 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 cameras that you use to to view uh the heat um and the heat profile on an image and, and it mm-hmm. looks it looks really interesting because um infrared yeah the 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 infrared because when you look at an image through that lens, um, anything that is, it's kind of like a gradient that goes from red to blue. So blue obviously is cold and, and, and red is hot. Uh, so if you look at a flame, for example, through those cameras, you'll see the flame profile of that image will be bright red. Well, everything around it would be a gradient, a gradient all the way to the blue. Which is completely. I think it actually goes to white. It it goes to white. Yeah, it goes past red to white. Okay. So, so red is warm and white is hot. Hot. If you, if you get my very generalized uh, description, yeah. So blue, black, black is completely cold. Blue is um is quite cold, and then it goes uh through to red, which is which is quite warm, and then um white, which is like. You get a whiteout of heat, um, like from a fire. The middle of the fire would be white. Yes, yes. So where I'm going with this is, we have animals; they can see infrared. Humans cannot see infrared. And of we course, have animals that use sonar. You know, you have snakes. You have blood-sucking insects like mosquitoes. You have fish like salmon. Uh, some some frogs, the vampire bat, the goldfish. They, they they use sonar. Uh, they, Are you saying a goldfish is better than us? That's what I'm saying. We, when it comes to our <laughs> yeah, eyes, we're that's blind. Better than a fishbowl. You know. So mm. where I'm going with this is yeah. Where are you getting at? If are you, you getting into the chopper? I'm getting into the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you fast forward to the scene where he takes his helmet off. Um. And again, this is just me thinking, 
You know, the, I, I don't remember it reading was, this anywhere. It was technology. It wasn't technology because it no, was no. a different view when, when he, he takes when he takes his helmet off. You remember, and I don't know if you do, that everything looked red. Yeah, yeah, everything. So that least, you know, if I take this the way that I see it, this beam can see in the infrared spectrum. But to what me, I find was more like a sonar view compared to infrared that was a heat sensory that he had before. Well, here's the thing. Here's why why I think is infrared, right? Everything looks red, right? So you see the images obviously show up. But when he has his helmet on, the images we see are, are, are very, very similar to the images you would see on an infrared camera. So it seems to me that for him to be able to see in this environment, he had to, I don't think he could actually see in the visible light. So he had to have this device on his eyes that would go down the spectrum from where he's at to the, to the kind of like to the, to the visible light, you know, ultra, the ultraviolet. Riddick ultra, uh, and, and pitch black. Was that ultraviolet? Well, he cannot see. He cannot see the regular light. He used to use the goggles because he will be blind on regular light. So he had to dim it down. But in the pitch black, he could see perfectly, just like the animals, and they could see it through sonar, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but I think yeah, they had that kind of vision. Um, so basically, the way I looked at it was, you know, human beings have a visible light spectrum eyesight, which is of the electromagnetic spectrum. It's a very, very small part. But it's the it's a, a very common part, so that's why we evolved to be able to see in that area. But of course, if we were predominantly night creatures, we might have developed more in the, in the, the thermal range. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, basically, the predator's vision when he had his helmet off was quite limited, and he actually used the helmet to expand his visual range so he could see colder temperatures. And, and get more of a, a, a sort of a, a gradient, spread the, the image more, because he, he, he seemed to be quite blind once he had that helmet off. Um, now, the, they stated that only in the years when it got really hot did the predators show up. So it, for some reason, they liked heat, like they liked it to be quite warm. Now, whether they were ectothermic, which meant that they needed warm weather to be able to move around fast because they didn't produce a whole lot of their own body heat, um, hard to say. But um, basically, just like humans who, if we want to see in the, in the infrared or ultraviolet, we need goggles to expand our vision. He was using that helmet to do exactly the same thing. He was expanding his vision and making it clearer for what he could see. And I know that I'm reaching into the second movie, but in the second movie, the predator had different vision modes that he could flip through. Yes. I remember that. Find the guys who were wearing the suits that were cutting out that, the, the thermal leaving their bodies. Um, there was one other thing that it was a bit dodgy about this whole mud blocking the temperature thing. Um, point one, they state in the in the, the wiki page that it was the, the wet mud that was blocking the temperature, but the mud had dried on on Dutch's body when he was running around. So how was the moisture blocking the heat at that stage? Yeah. You know, when he was running around, he was producing even more heat, unlike when he was it just climbed out of the water, which had dropped his skin temperature 
Yes. Uh, and the mud was blocking it. And the other thing is, if you look at that section where the predators picked him up and is looking at his face, turning him, like grabbed his head and is turning it back and forth, looking at him, deciding that he's a worth worthy adversary. Um, his eyes are the hottest part of his face. <laughs> And there was no mud over his eyeballs when he was running around. So you, <laughs> even if you couldn't see the heat radiating from his skin, you would have seen these two glowy eyes running around. So there was a, there was a huge logical gap there about the, the mud doing its thing. Now, if, if every time the predator looked at him, he closed his eyes and he had mud in his eyelids, I could almost believe it. But, um, yeah, this whole... Oh, the, the wet mud was blocking the heat from his body. Uh, well, it had dried well and truly when he was running around, so it wouldn't have been working. But anyway. Yeah, no, I, and, and you know, you, you brought up a really good point. I wonder what would be the experience from the, pers from the uh, predator perspective um, if it was like on a uh, on winter uh, full of snow. Well, they don't but go to easier. <clears throat> Mm -hmm. They only show up when it's really hot. Um, predator 2, it's a really hot year in LA when the predator shows up. So, And they actually say that he only shows up when it's hot. Yeah, no, yeah. I know. Yeah. I, I, was just, I was just thinking if, you know, they're obviously a, a, an intelligent uh, uh, technological race based on the, the gadgets that they have. Mm -hmm. So it is mm -hmm. not far-fetched to think they could build, you know, a suit that could withstand uh, the cold. Um, yeah. so it, it's just interesting to me, maybe they didn't consider that sports because they are hunters, um, all around. And in my perception, I think it would be a lot easier for them to come in like cold weather because everything would be lit up, uh, and it, it would be easier for them to find. Oh, uh, you reckon, you reckon that the targets would be brighter because everything else would be colder. Yeah. So, but, yeah. but, uh, you know, they are hunters. So maybe the reason why they don't do this is because it's not it's not a sport, you know. And for them, the the hunt is a sport, as we can see from was it what was it was it predator predator? I want to say predator three, but it's not predator three. The the one it's where light communication to me. I'm sorry. That to me is not merely a sport too. It's just a way of life and communication. You know, it's like going into the Amazons and finding a tribe, and that's how how they communicate. You know. Well, the reason why I'm saying this, and again, I'm, I'm going back to other movies for this. Um, I think it was The Predators, or what was the other movie? I, I can't remember. There's a movie, you probably remember, but it's a movie where they actually got humans, and they put these humans in this planet and this human reserve, and they that were was hunting. Predators with the plural. Predators. There you go. That was Predators. Predators and yeah, they were capturing humans and dropping them into a sort of a game reserve and then hunting them down. And there were a lot of predators in there. So that's the reason, that's where I'm basing myself in. Is it seems to me like they do this for sports, as it evident from the movie Predator versus Alien, or is or is it Aliens versus Predator? I can't remember. Um, uh, aliens comes first. Uh, aliens versus Predator, if you remember if if you ever watched that movie. They actually had this, um, what was it that they call it? The, the uh, sacrificial room or something where they had the, the, the alien eggs. And, and the thing is, actually, they were hunting aliens and humans. 
So in every in every iteration that we see predators, including prey, which is the current movie out there, it's all about the hunt. Yeah. So th this is why I'm basing myself. It's it's just um, it wouldn't be a sport, I, I I believe, and that's the case. But it wouldn't be far fetched for me to think that they would build a, the suit to so they can be in every environment. Well, um, uh, was it adaptability? Alien versus Predator Requiem, I think they were in the Antarctic. So yes, uh, be, like what was it they say? How many miles been beneath below the ice? I forgot what it was. It's been a long time that I haven't seen that movie. Mm. Have you seen it, you? Nope. Oh, okay, it's one of those for your list, for your increasingly long list. My list is frozen <laughs> right now. <laughs> in the Antarctic ice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, how... you can throw it out and have some aliens and predators fight over it. Yes. That w I found that to be really exciting when it came out. Um, because I, it's one of those, back in the day, you always wonder who would win. And when they came mm -hmm. out, when the movie came out, it's like, oh, finally, someone's made a movie. Um, so I think the game came out first and it was so popular that Yes. Everybody was screaming for the two franchises to come together ever since in Predator 2 when he goes onto the spaceship and um, sees the alien skull um, yes. on the trophy wall. It's like, they're in the same universe. And I remember that. I remember that so yes. clearly. Uh, we were screaming in the cinema. Yeah, look, they're in the same universe. Come on, we can have an alien versus predator movie. And then they made an alien versus predator movie. It was really cool. <laughs> Like, oh guys, better than this. <laughs> but yeah, I remember. I don't know if you if you ever seen the the, the game. Uh, I used to play that game a lot, and nope. I remember the hype when when you know we you know I, what what Ray was just talking about after we saw that the the Predator movie we saw, and then the the hype on the news about the movie. So yeah, I I still like it, but you know I do admit it it should have been better. So I think that I think that it's, it's the same hype that when people wanted Freddy versus Jason, kind of like that. Kind yeah. of the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the same thing. Do you when? Uh, how old were you when you saw this movie for the first time? Maybe like ten years old. Ten years old. Yeah, I was terrorized. <laughs> I was just gonna say, weren't you freaking scared? <laughs> yeah, off my ass, bro. Shitless. <laughs> It's interesting that they, they sort of pitched it as an action adventure, like a military action adventure, and then it went, it took a hard left turn at Albuquerque and, and turned into a sci-fi yeah. horror. <laughs> oh, man. It, it actually reminds me of From Dust Till Dawn, which, you know, shifts gears right in the middle of the movie. Oh, yes, I remember that. I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I love movies that completely break your expectations like ah yeah action adventure where hang on where this alien come from when i start <laughs> playing gears of war is when this kind of became my kind of thing nice yeah this one if you look in indv this movie is categorized as action adventure horror and and it's like you know this is sci-fi you know that right where's the sci-fi in here well, I mean, you got an alien. You want more sci-fi than that? Exactly. I don't know why. The first, the first 10 seconds of the movie is a spaceship. Exactly. It, 
drops off a shuttle or a pod or whatever you want to call it. So you see, Gio. I mean, I mean, so you and see, I mean, he has he has Harry Potter cloak. So you see, Gio. So Harry Potter is sci-fi. Yep. Mm. Focus, focus. <laughs> and so is Lord Any of the Rings. Technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. Hey, I am one hundred percent with you, Ray. I agree. Mm. Well, I was watching it uh, just to, and aside from that, I was watching an anime um, the other night called something. It's one of those great long names, but it was um, in my next life. I want to be, I, I want my stats to be completely average. Um, and, and of course, when they say average, the, the, the system, which runs the world because it's actually a technological system, went and looked at the weakest monster, a slime and the strongest monster, the great uh, arch evil um sort of super dragon that's been around for hundreds of thousands of years and took uh, a point exactly in the middle <laughs> which was 6800 times stronger than a normal human because <laughs> of the because of the Not outliers so <laughs> and so this 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 girl who was reincarnated she gets reincarnated and she can talk magic in this world they specifically state magic in this world is created by nanites in the air Oh wow! And and like she's like there, and the nanites just rock up and go, "Oh hi, how you doing?" Because because she's the first person who's been able to talk to them in like hundreds of thousands of years, and oh, and they're like chatting away to her, and she's like, "Okay." <laughs> and then there's this explanation of, "Oh yeah, well you know most people you know have a certain affinity with talking to the nanites and getting them to do things that they want, and that's what they call magic." She says she's six thousand eight hundred times better at it than than the average mage. Wow, <laughs> like, that okay. is a really nice it was perspective. Really interesting that they specifically stated the magic in this world is created by nanites. That is re- that's yeah. a really nice take. I really like that. Yeah. I like that. At um, it, there was another um another anime where it didn't come up in the anime, but it came up in the light novels, and that was um Outbreak Company. Which, which the the magical realm that they were going to through this tunnel, this warp tunnel, actually turned out to be the future of Earth, and technology advanced to the point where there was nanites in the air that that you could control and do, get to do stuff, and then of course there was a fall of the uh, of the technological civilization, but the nanites were still there, and then people started interacting with them, thinking you know came up with a way of interacting which they call magic. Because they didn't know what it was that was causing the effect, they just knew that they that some people could do it, and um, it was actually nanites in the air, and they didn't know about it. But the, the humans from our time who went there worked it out because they they got into this um, subterranean bunker thing, which was left over from from the old um, civilization, and got to talk to somebody who'd been whose mind had been transferred into a into a cyborg body, well, an android body. Mm-hmm. And then they found out what what was actually going on. Wow! But it, it, you know, having a basis for magic, um, which is technological, is really a nice little sort of flip flop um, storyline or, or um, world building um, idea, which I quite like. Okay, get to the chopper. <laughs> we need to get back, <laughs> on the, back on the rails. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, guys, you guys should be watching the YouTube video. Um, Gio with his um, get to the chopper um, little note. 
and my makeup, man. Yeah, the makeup. I got mud on my face. Uh, you know, Gio, I, you should you should post a picture on on Twitter. I actually yeah. actually the you know who quotes this Eminem, bro. Mm. In in as like that, he says, "I am Arnold. Get down." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, uh, oh wow I um, I was 17 when I saw this movie and it was exciting to me because um, it was an action film uh, 17? yeah Wasn't it I'm surprised you were still thinking about girls long enough to actually go see a movie <laughs> well what do you think I used uh, Predator for? Oh, to predate on girls. You know, when the predator will scare people, they would, you know, it's a perfect opportunity. <laughs> Although the sexist jokes, man, that wouldn't have impressed any girl. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, I know. I know this. You oh, know. The guys, man. American. American. So, um, <laughs> I, I, I even forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> The first time you saw Predator, yeah, I was, was with I, a girl yeah. in the movie theater, and she was clinging to you. I was, yeah, I was seventeen, and and this movie was really exciting to me because uh, I felt that I was getting a sci-fi action movie. Um, and he saw that movie like a Punani Gateway. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, <laughs> Ray, when, when was, how old were you when you saw this movie for the first time? God, now you're, now you're pushing pushing your luck. This was one of those movies that I didn't see at the cinema. It, it uh, passed me by. I might have been might have been when I was at university, so yeah, I didn't have the money to go to the movies or just wasn't seeing what was coming out of the movies because I was on campus and wasn't looking at, at that sort of thing at the time. But I do remember... We used to have um, uh, a reprojection screen. Um, but this is back before the big um, plasma TVs came in. Uh, but it was a reprojection screen that was in uh, the sort of the, the function room off the bar at the, at the College of Residence I was staying in. I'm pretty sure I saw it there with a bunch of, a bunch of mates um, on you know, VCR at the time. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, it would have been, um, so, so this was 87, which was, came out in 87, which was my final year of high school. So, yeah, I probably saw it on VCR in 89, I'd say, yeah. And, um, you, you know, hang, hanging out with my mates, having drinking and, and watching sci-fi, um, it was pretty damn fun. Yeah, and you know, for, for days, the get to the chopper. <laughs> oh, I still hear that today. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah they're very, very big on quoting Arnie. Oh God, um, I, I, I would interesting, have. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, there's, there's some interesting points uh, on the filming um, of this, but uh, I might. Uh, Gio, you've you've mentioned when you first saw it, yeah. So I can probably go on with this at this point. Um, but yeah, they. Um, they were filming this in 86 uh, in Mexico. Um, so uh, apparently both McTierian and Schwarzenegger lost 25 pounds during the filming. Um, Schwarzenegger's weight loss was a professional choice, while McTierian lost weight because he avoided the food in Mexico due to health concerns. 
Unlike McTurian, most of the cast and crew suffered from Montezuma's revenge since the Mexican hotel in which they were living had problems with its water purification. In an interview, Carl Weathers said the actors would secretly wake up as early as 3 a.m. to work out before the day's shooting. Weathers also stated that he would act as if his physique was naturally given to him and would work out only after the other actors were nowhere to be seen. Uh, According to Schwarzenegger, the filming was demanding. The actor, a former bodybuilder, shipped gym equipment to Mexico and trained intensively every day before the shoot began, usually with his co-stars. Screenwriter Jim Thompson was impressed with the training regimen and said, I think the phrase manly men was coined during the production of Predator. Among other tasks, Schwarzenegger had to swim in very cold water and spent three weeks covered in mud for the climactic battle with the alien. In addition, cast and crew endured very cold temperatures in Mexico jungle that required heat lamps to be on all the time. Cast and crew filmed on rough terrain that, according to the actor, was never flat, always on a hill. We stood all day long on a hill, one leg up, one leg down. It was terrible. Schwarzenegger also faced the challenge of working with uh, Kevin Peter Hill, who could not see in the Predator suit. The actor recalled that when he was supposed to slap me around and stay far from my face, all of a sudden, whap, there was this hand with claws on it. Paul stated in an interview that his experience on the film, it wasn't a movie, it was a survival story for all of us. <laughs> for example, the scene where the predator chases Dutch, the water was foul, stagnant, and full of leeches. Ooh. Paul could not see out of the mask and had to rehearse the scenes with it off and memorize where everything was. The outfit was difficult to wear because it was heavy and affected his balance. So, I mean, you watch, you watch this movie and it looks all seamless and, and you know, they're heroes and, and they're running around doing what they need to do in the movie, but they suffered for this one, man. They earned their dollars for this yeah. movie. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that oh, my God. Um, yeah. And this guy was, he was huge. Yeah. Um, how I don't even know how. How do you uh, know he was huge? You gotta Kevin put your Peter. sticker. You gotta put your sticker. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I on, was waiting for that sticker. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, what you say? <laughs> the one ugly motherfucker. Huge. <laughs> oh wow. Um. Oh shit! He died in at age thirty-five. Kevin oh, Peter wow. Hall, who played the Predator, surely not. In he, the top he, he died four years after this movie came out. He's seven foot two inches tall. Wow! Wow! Yep, two hundred eighteen centimeters for us in the uh, metric world. I seen. I'd only seen pictures. I never really bother and look and see how tall he was. But that's that's tall. Wow. Why are you going to say it again, Robert? He was huge. <laughs> you see? You got to use a special voice, Robert, for that. <laughs> he was huge. <laughs> One special voice. <laughs> As a chick monk, yeah. <laughs> Anything is huge. That's right. Oh, I would have to say one of the things that that I can recall that impressed me 
uh, maybe that's the wrong word, but it's maybe the word should be shock me watching the movie. And, and you know, we can go around the room and, and, and see what was for each of us. Um, for me, knowing that I don't like horror movies, um, I do watch horror movies when they're heavily involved in sci-fi, you know, evident from Alien and Aliens um, and, and, and this movie as well. Um, when are we doing Event Horizon? Oh, yes. We got to do Event Horizon. Um, I want to do that movie. Uh, the scene, the, the very first time when, when we see the skinned um, soldiers hanging from the tree, um, not sure if the experience or the visuals, I, I like to think that would be very different uh, when, I, you know, you see it in the theaters. Um, and, and, and it was huge in your face and it was um, bright red. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Look Too there. late. <laughs> huge in his face. Very <laughs> tentacle, man. The very tentacle. Um, it was bright red. And um, it was it was a little shocking to me because it was just it was it, it just popped. Into the screen. I love every descriptive thing Robert is saying right now because it could be so misleading. It <laughs> 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 was huge in red. <laughs> oh <my laughs> <God>. <laughs> so, moving on, um, <laughs> what did, did you guys experience the same thing when you saw this scene? Uh, you know, I know that you probably didn't see it in the theaters like I did, but. And, no. and the experience should have been different. Um, but what was your experience when you saw that scene? I don't know if uh, Gio or, or Ray, if you even remember. It traumatized. Yeah, no. Later on, when I rewatched it, it was like just rewatching something in Gears of War. Actually, they actually scared you like that in Gears of War at the beginning of the first game. Yeah. In the movies, I never watch it, but I'm sure that it will make everybody jump on the receipt because those fuckers on the film they actually make those sounds go like louder than anything else. So whenever like it uncovers, like bang, and it just makes you jump out of your chair, you know? <laughs> yeah, you for jump scares. Yeah, yeah. Did did you remember that scene, uh, Ray? Um, I mean, we have a couple uh, of those scenes, but just the first yeah, one. Yeah, I, I expect that because I was surrounded by guys at university were all trying to be tough so we wouldn't have reacted to it or we would have laughed at it but i'm pretty sure that i was shocked the first time i saw it yeah and, and i don't get me wrong i did not jump or anything it was just shock especially with you know someone that doesn't when like horror when you suppress something like that usually your sphincters tighten up <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Uh, going back to the chopper. Going back to the chopper. I'm gonna start. <laughs> I'm gonna start with with uh, Gio, only because I am very fascinated with the fact that he watched this movie so young. Um, if you you know, obviously the entire movie was shockingly horrific uh, for someone so so small, but if you can recall one scene or, or one moment in this movie that would be on top of any other moment that you can recall as being something very 
impressionable in your brain when you watch this movie so early, what would that scene be? I think when they kill Poncho and then uh, what was his name? The guy that goes behind uh, after the the predator, saying, "I'm gonna have me some fun." Um, that was all of a second. That uh, uh, Blaine, yes, Jesse Ventura. Yes. No, 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 it was not Jesse Ventura. Uh, let me tell you right now. Jesse Ventura took a plasma blast to the back and it blew out his chest. Yep. He wasn't going anywhere at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it was when they killed Jesse Ventura. Oh, okay. Uh, was it Mac, maybe? Yes, Mac, Mac. He's a great when, actor. When Mac chases after him, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And then they, he's by himself running into the fucking jungle. And then he's alone. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is it. <laughs> so I was just, like, dreading every fucking second. Then we find him alive looking at him. And I was like, oh, shit. In one with the jungle, but he didn't last seconds after. I was like, no. <laughs> when you see the three dots, I was like, oh no. But like, I was just dreading every second of it. Oh wow. And then you look at him looking upwards like this. Uh. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Ray, for you, what what would that moment be for you? And and I'm talking about the very first time that you saw it. You should try this. Make your goddamn sexual Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> I love that scene. <laughs> they are so busy being testosterone infused <laughs> hunks of meat. And they, get taken down. they get taken down so many pigs by the alien. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, it was it was very well being a writer you know it's very well written um i was reading in the in the, the wiki page about how originally it was just um the mc versus the alien they thought no 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 we gotta we gotta up the the stakes here so we'll, we'll start out making it look like a close-knit group of guys who are you know working together we'll stick an outsider in so there's a bit of tension and then you know it, it'll all go tits up with the whole, well, we're a rescue team, but you sent us in here to stop an invasion. Um, so we're pissed with you. And then they threw in a um, uh, a captive who was a woman so that they these manly men were treating her differently because she's a woman specifically. Um, but they're still sort of dragging her around the forest. And then... Um, Basically, the whole the picking off of the the teammates to leave the MC as the last one left there. Um, it's one it's one of those sort of nightmare fuel scenarios where there's nothing you can do. Like it's going to hunt everyone down, and you want to stop it, but you can't. And the slow coming to the realization, like the um, um, oh, what's the character's name? Uh, so um Dylan the woman D oh, Dylan, Dylan the outsider the CIA oh, guy yeah, who's, Dylan. who's insisting that it's just a couple of guys who are who are chasing them and like um Billy's like oh man this thing ain't human um and, and you know it's that it's that whole antagonism thing between between really butch guys and um, the fact that they're almost powerless against this thing. 
and and how they're dealing with it and how they know they're going to die but you know they're going to they're going to fight until the very last breath anyway um cuz that's what they do um it 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 really sort of it, it it drags you in and grabs you by the heart and you're sort of like oh shit you're going to die man you, you can yeah. really feel for some of these guys cuz they're not bad people I mean, sure, they kill people because they're soldiers, but you know they're they're really not bad people. They're they're going in there to rescue some guys who they believe are being mistreated, um, but they're being they're being um, used and and disposed of by their government, which is a shitty thing to do. But it's what governments tend to do. Um, but they. But, you know, like Dutch frees the captive woman and tells her to get the Dutch arbor, which is, you know, like <laughs> somebody needs to get away. Um, you're not able to fight this thing, so get away while we slow it down kind of thing. So they're decent people and they're trying to do the right thing and they're trying to deal with something that's completely unknown to them. And you really feel for them. You really, like, Especially like Billy. He just threw his life away to slow the thing down so that the other guys could get away. That's what he just decided to do. To me, it sucked that he didn't even get to fight it, really. Oh, he died off screen with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it would have been cool if um, at least a couple of thugs and throws before dying, you know? Give it a little bit of honor to his death, but no, he just died like bait on a hook. Yeah, unfortunately. It was just slaughtering them. It was just like, like working out. Yeah, the predator was just working out. It was only when Dutch started hurting him that the predator accepted him as a worthy adversary, and then took off the technology to do to do the old um, man to alien. Pure luck is what made him um, yeah. a, a worthy adversary. In a way, yes, because you know technically this guy is, uh, you know, what's the term? Meatheads. And I'm not using yeah. that in a bad term. Um, they're, they're soldiers. They, 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 they're strong. They are the best of the best in what they do based on what we know from the beginning Jarheads. of the movie. I'm sorry? Jarheads? No, just... just I want to say meathead, but it's that, it just sounds so, so negative, and I don't mean it in a negative way. Um, so what I'm saying is, you know, they're not known for their scientific uh, accomplishments, although I'm not saying they were dumb because they were not. Um, so They're known for their, for their mastery of warfare. Exactly. They're, they're, they're the best of the best in what they do. Um, yep. So it's what I told you. To me, that's a primal language of humans is warfare, you know? And if you think about it, it's like you could even think of, like, maybe he was Predator's best friend. You know, because for Predator, that was an entertainment. And mm -hmm. who knows, when you look at the psychology behind it, maybe that was his way of communication. So he was having a fun interaction and a, or a very uh, long-lasting interaction with this specific person, which was Dutch, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Th there's two things that I can recall from this movie that <clears throat> that I think helped... Um the story in two separate different ways. The first one <clears throat> is, is very short. It's 
Billy. Um, so we kind of know that uh, Billy is not afraid of anything. And, and, and we kind of know this from, from comments that are made throughout the movie. We know these guys have been at wars together. So this is a knowledge that has probably come from that interaction on previous engagements when they were at war. And I think they're using Billy's comment where he says, I am afraid to let the audience know, holy shit, thing is, thing is real now. So that's one of the, <laughs> get to the chopper. That I think, <laughs> I, I look at that as a tool of the film to, to show the, the audience, you know, this is something that they, is outside of their experience. This is something that is outside their expertise. And, and they're going to have to, uh, I want to say MacGyver the crap out of this to try to get, a, get out alive, but um, in, in, in their own specific way. And, and, and the second one, and we'll, we, we could talk about these two things together. Uh, the second one is, is mostly an, an entertainment tool to help the audience enjoy the film. Um, on the very few horror movies that I do like, and you guys let me know if this is experience that you have, that you have shared. Um, and the very few, with, which the list is not very long, of horror movies that I like. One of the things that I really enjoy, it's the, the guessing game. And let me explain. Guessing who's going to drop first. <laughs> who's going to die next. And who's yeah, going to die last. last. And, and I think this tool of a horror movie was used perfectly in this film. You know, granted, the movie was released in 1987, so by now we all know the story. But if you go back to the very first time that you saw this film, if you like horror movies, I think you could appreciate this. I mean, this is something that we see in films like The Final Destination uh, line. Where, you know, or Scream, the, 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 the entire series. So, <laughs> so you guys let me know, out of those two things that I mentioned, you know, if you agree with me, if you don't agree with me, or what is your comment on that? Well, this was sort of a cross-genre movie. It, it crossed um, action and adventure, sci-fi and horror. So it had a bit of something for everybody, well, almost. I mean, there was, there was no romance, really, but... <laughs> The romance people wouldn't rock up to something called Predator. No, the <laughs> got the completely wrong message. Predator but, was um, in love with Dutch. Really? <laughs> so, so this was a whole courtship thing he was looking for. Yeah, that's how they do life. it on their planet before they get married. Right. <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a very common trope in um in in manga and anime where you know if you've got a tough woman. It's got to be somebody who can beat her that she's going to marry. So I guess it kind of works. <laughs> he just didn't expect the Dutch was going to, you know, kill them. So, you know, yeah. that, that was a miscalculation on the Predator's part. <laughs> uh, well, are you still laughing at the very end? Yeah, yeah. 
but um yeah it's um it's got a lot of uh different things for different people i mean the 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 start of it is so butch and manly and and i think there would have been a few women cringing at some of the lines oh, especially yes. those jokes um but uh if you can if you can put that aside for a moment and you know back in back in the late 80s people did put those sorts of things aside it was just something you had to deal with but um, now people will be up in arms and leaving the theater if if you saw things like that these days but yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, it had it had a lot of um, different things for different uh, like cross genre movie that that provided a lot of interest in different ways for different people. But yeah, that whole "Who's Gonna Die Next" thing, which is common in horror, um, was definitely um, sewn into the into the um, the weave of this movie. And and I really feel like it 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 was just another one of those things where especially when I saw it the first time we were sitting in sort of like play, well, they weren't lazy chairs, but they were sort of like low down padded chairs. Um, so we were sort of relaxing in front of this thing, drinking and, and chatting while we were watching it. And, and yeah, we were trying to guess who was going to die next. Um, there was the, the guy who brought it along had seen it before and wanted us all to see it. So he knew roughly if he could remember if he wasn't too drunk the first time he saw it. Um, <laughs> the order in which people went down, but yeah, there was um, there was definitely a a um, a sort of a oh, I reckon this guy's going to go first. Ah, oh, no, it's going to be this guy. You know, sort of trying to work out who the order in which they were going to die because we're all going to die. Yep, yep, it's, you are. Especially when Mac went along by himself, you would think, oh, oh he yeah. was going to be next, but he was. Have me some fun. I'm have me some fun. And he wasn't. So it's just like, you know, I, I think they play around with that very well. No, no Mac did die. No, no, he, yeah, he did, he did die. You don't say. You don't say. But <laughs> he didn't well, die. Well, Mac, Mac ran, ran off after it and Dylan chased him and Mac died from a headshot from the yeah. shoulder cannon. And then Dylan had his arm blown off and, and uh, was gutted. So... I think I think he was the well, one. Well, you can say he, he got forked. Huh? Yeah, he got forked. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you? What do you think about those two things that I mentioned? Uh, what is your well, thought? To me, this movie was horror and gore, and then throughout the years, it became entertaining. Hmm. Well, it definitely had gore. I mean, from a little kid watching this to an adult that doesn't see the the horror. In all the gush and blood, <laughs> it kind yeah. of evolved into something friendlier. You mean you, you mean you mean you became blasé about all the, the violence yeah. because you watched the news for enough years? <laughs> yep, pretty much. <laughs> after after those ISIS videos became viral with the guys getting decapitated with chainsaws, I was like, okay, this is how. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, this got dark real fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get to the chopper. Get to the chopper. Uh, bringing yeah, it so back. Like, real life news kind of make this movie a comedy soft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Reason why I don't watch news. <laughs> yeah, I stopped watching news. Yeah. So, uh, ask, I guess I should ask the different way you guys, you to see you. YouTube. They see Robert's constipation face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
it's <laughs> I should ask it in a different way for Gio. So yeah. <laughs> um watching it as an adult. Um it, it based on what I just said, what was your experience? You know, the, the two methods that they use for this film. And I'm assuming you will have watched a lot more sci-fi, I mean, a lot more horror movies that I have ever watched. So you have probably a lot more experience than Actually I Actually not. I don't think that I've watched more horror movies than you. Oh, you, don't, you don't like horror movies? or It's not that I dislike it. And they, never, uh, they never drag me. Oh, okay. you know? So like, I never found myself looking for horror movies unless they were in a group and they want to watch something. Okay. You know? And, and I mean, this movie, I don't think I've watched it more than three or four times. Okay. It's, it's interesting. Sci-fi horror, I'm right there. Event Horizon. Um, oh, what was that game series that they made a movie about? Um, oh, I can't think of the name of it now. Uh, but there, there's a, a game series where they had these things that used to replace people's heads, this alien bug things. Uh, Half-Life, Half-Life. Half-Life. Yes, Half-Life. Yes, oh no, my no. God, that scene I played it. I killed my guy. It made me shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene. No, scene that I'm, I'm, thinking I'm thinking Dead Space. Dead, Dead Space, space. Is okay. After. Yeah. Dead Space yeah. is way after, but if you play Half-Life, Half-Life is old, and it's made mm. by Valve, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I, I know Half-Life. But the like one I'm thinking about is Dead Space, because Dead space? they made oh, a okay. movie about Dead Space. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I played Dead Space long after it was old, and it still shit my pants when the little, like, baby monsters come crawling. Like, oh, my God, bro. <laughs> they made that game to make you jump off your seat. Oh, sure, wow. sure. Um, but um, basically, what I'm, what I'm getting at is that if there's sci-fi in the horror, I'm right there. If it's just straight-up horror, it's got to have an engaging story. Like, I just, I'm, I'm not into splatter movies. Like, I just don't want to watch people chopped up and and, and and that sort of thing but you know if there's a story and people are struggling there's a chance that they can get away from whatever the thing is then then i'm interested because you know there's a human factor there's just not not gore I, if I, I just want gore i'll just watch the news i <laughs> i i think i feel the same way because um like for example i have a fascination for um resident evil um, I believe I played every single game that that was. Um, the, the the movies I seen every movie, and um, if you think about it, that that is. Are you watch the movies because of Mila? Mila, That's yeah. You the movies. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's interesting to me because it, it, I I believe I'm I'm just like you because I don't like horror. Um, there's obviously a few exceptions. Like I have seen Scream, I have seen Final Destination. Um, See, but I, I haven't really gotten to either of those. Yeah, I, I've seen those, like, um, and and I have those to admit they they were good. But you know, those are exceptions. There's always exceptions in everything um, in, in life. Do you watch? Do you watch? I know what you did that summer. Mm-hmm. I did. I watched that one. So it, it's. I find it interesting. Aside from those few exceptions, because there Texas always massacre. will be there. Huh? Texas Massacre? No. Texas Massacre? Oh, bro. That one is like, oh, my God. You won't, you won't be able to watch that one. So, But if you look at, for example, Resident Evil, the first movie with uh, Mila, that was a grindhouse. 
Mm. You know, let's sure. let's let's pick one scene out of the many when they're inside the, that that the laser corridor. The laser oh corridor. That was very shocking to me. But I enjoyed that movie because it was sci-fi horror. I enjoy Alien. I enjoy Aliens. I like uh, Annihilation, although I'm not too pleased with the movie, although I read the book. Uh, Prometheus, I liked the movie, although a lot of people hated it. Um, Peach Black. You know, uh, those are all horror, horror sci-fi, and I enjoy every single one of them. And I find it really interesting that if you take away the sci-fi from it, uh, I would not be likely to watch. So, and you, you're probably completely different to that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, if you, um, and, and I don't know if we should move on to this, the, our final question of you, if you guys have anything else to say. Um, I, I was going to ask and probably start with Gio. Um, and, and this is not isolated to the very first experience, the very first time that you saw this movie, but basically a collection of every single time you saw it from, from the very first time to the very last time that you watched this movie. Um, what is that one thing that um, you can say about this movie, this final thing that you can say about this movie? Oh, you're not going to ask first thought and then last thought? No, I'm, I, I like to switch, switch it up, you know? <laughs> keep you in your toes. <laughs> I like to keep you in your toes, Captain Chaos. I have no toes, man. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> he had them chainsawed off at one point. Yeah. I'm like armless, legless thing, like a turd in the wind. <laughs> You feel me? Uh, I kind of tell you, man. I mean, I think that the movie, even though it's horror, uh, it's full of comical, catchy phrases. Yes. You know, so as a younger kid, I didn't get to see all of that. All that I got and I rewatched it, it, it just was a mad lot of fun watching it. I mean, as a kid, it's hard for you to see people brutally dying as something fun. But as an adult, if dogs or babies are not involved, it's just fun. <laughs> awesome. So, I mean, this is a very enjoyable movie. And I think this is a movie that is great to enjoy with friends, too, over a drink. Oh, this is a, yeah, yeah it, definitely. Lots of laughter. With a lots couple of, of beers. Oh, yeah. Lots of laughter. The more beers, the, la the, the more laughter. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, I think it's a, it's a movie that is paramount to the horror filmmaking. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it's a must watch. Just like most of the good movies that we have covered that I think that they have had big influence in what genres have become today too. Yeah. And um, I guess we should go to Ray. Um, <clears throat> well... I look at the poster of this movie and it doesn't impress me one bit. Um, it it doesn't say sci-fi to me much at all. Um, so you gotta make your non-impress mean face. Well, you know, I, I I think I know where he's coming from. It to me it says action. Yeah, it it just looked like a war movie, and I wasn't into that at the time, so I just didn't go anywhere near it. And that's probably why I didn't see it at the cinema, because. 
it it didn't look like like the poster didn't represent the movie particularly a lot of posters are great they really pull the vibe of the movie and but this poster and even you know the the cover of the uh, of the video in the video store didn't do anything for me i looked at it and went no that doesn't pull me in and i think that was a bit of a failing um because you know it took being um uh recommended to me by somebody else and then being all hyped about it to actually watch it Mm -hmm. um so you know i didn't get into it when it was was current but i got into it a little bit later on on vcr but the the thing that i thought you know to to you know balance up the balance sheet a little bit the music of this movie is just spot on the sort of the the it really draws you in and again last night when i was watching it um it was just really drawing me in and it really sort of hyped you up it's one of those soundtracks that puts you on edge and it's perfect for this movie um so yeah it it sort of had it it, the advertising wasn't great but the soundtrack is fantastic um and it really fits the vibe of the movie <laughs> okay. A bunch of bunch of honka honka musaka in the jungle. Okay. Well, that that is hey. that is Captain Chaos' job is to derail us. So you know. Yeah. Good, good job, man. I'm completely lost now. What the hell was that? <laughs> you were talking about how how uh, introspective the the music is, which I actually think yeah. is a good point. It's true. It's mm. true. Yeah, I mean, I've 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 gone to the point of creating playlists of um of movie music, um, especially things like I, I know a lot of people didn't like um uh, Alien Resurrection as a movie, and it it had some very dodgy choices um throughout the movie, but I overall I really like that movie, and the soundtrack of it is just fantastic. Um. Whenever I want to write sci-fi horror, because I, I do a bit of writing a sci-fi horror here, and I listen to that soundtrack because it is to me a sci-fi horror soundtrack. It's, it's just so summer, right. It's just so evocative, and again, the the soundtrack of this movie is so evocative. It's it's um, the hunter and the hunted, sort of like you're being hunted. You, you, I, I don't care how good you are with guns and how much ammo you have, you're being hunted. Um, kind of Robert, Robert you can do this. I, I don't because I don't have a wife, but you just gotta piss off your wife and start running away from her. <laughs> I, I don't, you, you're gonna feel like the haunted. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think that's that that actually works for me. So, <laughs> your wife, man, you don't want to say the quiet ones are the dangerous ones. Your wife, I don't want to see her pissed off. <laughs> Slow, slow to anger, but we're angry. <laughs> yeah, you got a point there. You, you do got a point. <laughs> yeah. Her sister, which is my mother, has a story that she actually was being bitten by her. And she was like, your daughter is biting me. <laughs> so that woman bites me. <laughs> well, when she was a kid. <laughs> no, that's between you and the four walls. Yeah, I, I think I before that you like to get put in your place and stuff like that. I think I remember the story. <laughs> I got to the yeah, I will be going to the chopper real fast. 
out of there. <laughs> okay, so after we finally were successful in derailing Ray, let, let's see if he still remember what he was going to say. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm done. That was basically <laughs> compa comparing the, the the average advertising versus the fantastic soundtrack. So, yeah, absolutely. But, but I like I like what Ray was saying about the soundtrack. So I like I like doing that when I when I get on the mood, and and I mean that's something that I caught myself watching this movie that got effect on me. It was the soundtracks, for sure. Like it gets you into like like whenever they are in a fighting mode or something, or in a pursuit. And they put those soundtracks, like it just drags you into, like it robs you into the movie. And it pushes your heart rate up too. You get tense. Yeah. Hell yeah. Listeners, go and stop right now and go and check Orisuke Doji. Oh, no, don't. Don't. Oh, my God, don't. Please don't. We rated R. We rated R. Don't. That goes beyond rated R, X, triple X. It goes beyond everything. Non-safe for work. I will advise you, non-safe for work. Don't do it in your workplace. You don't want the IT to ask you what were you doing taking for that in a computer of work. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, Ray, I think I think we're ready for the se segue into the next segment. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Get to the chopper. Run, run. Get to the chopper. So the next segment. The science and sci-fi. <sighs> Captain Chaos is on point today. I'm telling you. <laughs> He's been saving this up, man. Yeah. This is what happens when I'm sober, man. It's <laughs> <laughs> time get something. Get laid. I don't know. Just get something. Oh, wow. This is my destiny. Freaking dangerous. <laughs> I've discovered dying alone. <laughs> no. Look, I, I, I have a hot take on this movie and it is um the predator was a pussy um, <laughs> it uh it used adaptive camouflage and plasma weapons and you know basically was slaughtering people for fun like humans yep. um if it wanted to be a real predator it should have ditched all that stuff in the beginning and relied on its own physical abilities and sure. matched abilities against abilities but it didn't it it used its advanced technology to just slaughter a whole bunch of peeps until it came up against dutch and realized that he was a worthy challenger but um the that's my hot take on the on the predator i'm sure i'll get some abuse <laughs> when this comes out well you but, you kind of have a point there and and i have to agree um okay. what do you think Gio? i mean we were talking about predators um, I, I agree I agree. Uh, Robert will say that that we are apex, and I will say to him that we are not, for the same reason that you just point out. Because our intellect and our use of tools puts us ahead of some other species. But if we go hand in hand like an apex predator goes, like a bear or like a falcon, we're not apex predator. We cannot go hand in hand and fight anything else. We'll be just a lamp, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're not. Um, functionally an apex predator because we don't have the physical abilities to 
act like an apex predator without enhancements. But we have the intellect to create those enhancements. And that's when we raise ourselves into the position of an apex predator. And given that the that humanity is a virus across the world, it's just basically, you know, there's billions of us. There's no other creature on the planet. Um, well, I mean, uh, there's more bacteria than us. There's more ants than us. There's more um, of very, very small creatures than us. But anything... Don't say it's allowed. We don't want them to know and then take over. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that's a complex organism um, very, very rarely can outnumber us uh, as a species. So uh, of the advanced creatures, we are the most numerous and we just keep <laughs> reproducing. So, yeah. There's too many humans on this planet. It's, it's just how it is. But, um, I mean, yeah, we, we are apex in certain columns, but certainly not in the base stats column. I guess is what the what the answer to that is. So Geo is right in a fashion. Yeah. But um, looking looking at the predator, the the pussy that was hiding behind his technology, um, <laughs> the, the one that, that really stands out is the, the the camouflage suit that he was using. Um, and uh, I think it's a if this was something that was really happening, it's it's. Um, it, it it speaks well of humanity that we can adapt so well to something hunting us and be able to calm down and spot something that's camouflaged in in such a way. Uh, that that's how I sort of felt with the you know the guys who were calming down and not just shooting up the jungle and and watching for it and spotting it. I mean they may not have had the ability to keep track of it, but they were still spotting it. So it wasn't perfect camouflage, but. Um, I pulled up an article, so I'm actually not Wikipedia this week. I'm actually referring to a proper article: uh, research progress of biotic adaptive camouflage materials. Um, this article is part of a research topic: 2021 retrospective smart materials. So uh, we're in 2023, so it's a little bit old, but it is quite considered quite recent. Uh, Do they have research? pictures that you can share? Um, no, most, re oh, actually there's a couple of figures, but, um, it's, it's more sort of in the introductive introduction section where they're talking about, um, uh, real life animals that have adaptive camouflages, okay. uh, talking about, uh, cephalopods, uh, that is a squid and, yeah. um, squid. an octopi, uh, and, um, chameleons and how quickly yep. their, their skin colors can change. Uh, and then talking about traditional four-color camouflages, which is what the military currently uses uh, in widespread use. Uh, but then um, looking at what uh, nature can do and then us attempting to mimic that. Uh, so um, the diffraction mechanism uh, of uh, phototonic crystals. Um, <laughs> that's a big words. Um, I mean, this... This article is pages and pages long, so I, I, I'm not going to, to to read through the whole thing. I just want to sort of give you an overview. Uh, but they're talking about thermal and photosensitive fibers, uh, electrochemical dyes, dynamic optical camouflage, smart and smart camouflage materials. Um, so under smart camouflage materials, the, the existence of camouflage coating uh, is passive. 
they can only achieve the effect of anti-reconnaissance in a static state. Um, when there is wind, the enemy can easily find a leaf or, or a brush still in the swaying grass, causing to find a camouflage target through subtle differences, which is basically how um, the, the soldiers in this movie were seeing the predator. The fact that it, the, the, the mimicry wasn't perfect and through training and practice, uh, be it very short term, they were actually being able to spot it when they you know, calmed down and looked really, really carefully. I mean, Billy felt that the thing was out there. He knew that there was something out there, but he couldn't easily spot it. Um, so he was sort of using a, almost a sixth sense uh, in a way. Uh, but um, with these smart camouflage materials, um, active camouflage technology has received massive attention. The US Army has developed an uh, electrochromatic film that can be pasted or painted on camouflage uniforms. Meanwhile, this electronic film can be connected to micro smart processing and environmental sensor systems. During the, during the wind, the system can change the graphic patterns on the film to achieve a swinging visual effect similar to the background and achieve the camouflage. So basically you're looking at, at well, originally these things were like, you'd have a camera on one side and uh, a display system on the other side and you'd be just, displaying what's happening in the background. So that would be the sort of active version of the camouflage. This was from another paper that I was reading. Uh, but this is more, you know, now, now in 2023, we've got all these tiny, tiny little digital um, systems which can pick up light changes and things like that. So these systems are getting more and more compact and more and more reactive so that I would say in the next 20 years, we would see some sort of active thermo-optic camouflage being developed where you'd have a suit which has uh, a system of tiny little sensors that can pick up what's happening and then transfer that image to the other side of the camouflage where um, it's reacting in real time and showing what is on the other side of the thing that you're camouflaging. And that's basically happening 360 degrees. So you would have a suit which you can put on, which basically shows the viewer what's happening on the other side of you. And you would then end up completely camouflaged. Now it wouldn't be perfect because if you're moving quickly, it would probably be a little bit of a lag for it to catch up. But if you're standing still, you'd be functionally unspottable. <clears throat> so nice. I can see that happening in the next 20 years. They're working on it. They sure are working on it because if you could create something like that, and, you know, especially for special ops and, and uh, uh, you know, forward observers and things like that, it would be invaluable uh, to be able to get in there and get information without being spotted. I don't know that it'd ever be um, put out to the, to, to the entire fighting force, but certainly spec ops and, um, and forward spotters and people that need to not get spotted easily uh, it would be a, a massive advantage. So I could see the the U.S. Army probably being the ones that would be getting hold of this stuff first. Yeah, I I, I always wonder about that too, uh, especially when it comes to. I think I read a um, a while back when they're experimenting with redirecting light, uh, which is mm. is theory, because uh, there's no real functional experiment on that. Because you know. We're not. We don't have that technology yet, 
But um, I was also thinking, even even at that aspect of the technology, which I think would be we're still far away from this. Um, even what you just said um, applies because if you if you standing still, it would be perfect. But if you are um, if if you are if you move, it, you could see something. Um, and, and I think this is partly how we are detecting black holes right now by by watching what that light that is redirecting around them. Um, so I find that really really interesting. Uh, <clears throat> you sent me a link. Okay, I got it. Yeah, perfect. That's the link to the article. So it's in Frontiers and Materials is the um, website. Um, and it's from 2020. Oh, it's, oh, sorry, 2021. So it's it's reasonably recent. Um, there was a lot of stuff around 2006 to 2012 uh, in, in this uh, sort of vein that I was looking into. But I was trying to find something that was newer. So I went with this one, but um, yeah, it's, it's something that um, they're working on it. They haven't got there yet, but they're working on it. So, um, awesome. uh, and, and this is actually a Chinese paper that's been translated. So um, I won't attempt to pronounce the names of the, uh, of the authors. Uh, Dan Yan is the only one that I could probably pronounce accurately. The rest of them, I'd probably screw up. But yeah, um, I'll, Robert, I'll get you to put that link into the to the show notes for the for the watchers, so they can go and have a read of the whole paper uh, if they're interested in this sort of thing. Awesome. Um, I want to briefly talk about uh, thermal imaging, um, just because of you know there's something that really called my attention in this movie. Um, when you when you look at the wavelengths. Uh, of light measure in uh, what is it nanometers? <clears throat> yeah. Um, uh, we... No, it's by it's, it's by washing machines. <laughs> wow, that'd be big wavelengths. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be big. Um, so no, it, in this movie is by choppers. By chopper. <laughs> <laughs> so if we look at 2. that, 2.71 choppers. <laughs> <laughs> So if we look at the, the, um, the diagram, um, what we could see goes anywhere from 400 to 700 nanometers in the, in the light spectrum, which is a visible light. Um, the infrared, uh, which I wonder, you know, this, the infrared is actually to the right of that chart. So anything higher than... Uh, 700 nanometers uh, goes into the infrared spectrum. Um, and I was reading something, uh, an article very interesting from uh, NASA Science. It's, it's um, the science uh, portion of the nasa.gov website uh, that talks very, very briefly about thermal imaging. But um, I believe the article makes it very, <clears throat> very interesting in the way they word it. So... Uh, the article says uh, we can sense some infrared energy as heat. So we do see some of that. Um, some objects are so hot, they also emit visible light within the um, 
infrared spectrum. And this is kind of like what Ray was talking about earlier uh, when it comes to fire. Um, fire uh, under the infrared uh, camera would look completely white. Um, so a fire would be something within that uh, infrared spectrum that we could see. Um, however, other objects such as humans are not as hot and only emit um, infrared waves. Um, our eyes cannot see these infrared waves, but instruments that can sense infrared energy, such as night vision goggles and infrared cameras, allow us to see the infrared wave emitting from warm objects such as humans or animals. So that that is, I find that really interesting. Um, if if you're you know uh, about the the thermal and uh, thermal imaging uh, systems. Uh, that they use. So I, I just wanted to briefly talk about that because I found it interesting. I got one last one, which is it, which is a more sort of fun one to finish up on. Okay. Um, I don't know how well this is going to work. Um, it's uh, you can you can check this out. I'll, I've also given the link to Robert so he can put it in the show notes. But there's a, a YouTube channel called Engineering After Hours, and he basically created a head tracking Nerf gun shoulder mount, uh, AKA um, predator shoulder weapon nice. uh, using a Nerf gun and um, uh, uh, adaptive software, which tracks uh, people's heads. So he can do headshots with the Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's, he's got a, a very small hand hand remote, but you know the thing automatically tracks them, and then he just presses the button to fire the Nerf bullet at the person's head. And he, uh, I mean, I won't play the video because it's uh, 11 minutes long, but um, and would also probably get pooted off YouTube for um, for infringement. But um, basically, uh, he teaches it how to track his cat so, so that it automatically <laughs> shoots evil. at his cat. Poor kitty, kitty. <laughs> yeah, so um, that's an interesting one. I recommend everybody go and have a look at that after the listening to the podcast uh, or watching watching us on YouTube. Check that one out. It's uh, engineering after hours, but you'll find the link in the description of the YouTube video or in the show notes for the for the podcast. And you too can check out how engineering after hours created his own uh, predator shoulder mounted weapon system that automatically tracks heads and. Yeah, uh, I will definitely put that in the show notes so you can actually watch this whenever you can. Awesome. So this this is it for this show. Um, again, I, I really, really thank everyone um, for coming week after week and, and listening to our show. Um, we really, really appreciate um, your being here with us enjoying our conversation and, and, and your engagement. Um, just remember, reach out to us. Uh, let's talk about Predator. Let's talk about most of the topics that we talked about here. Um, if you have any uh, scientific um, comments that we have not mentioned, you can bring it up and let's, let's start a conversation. Um, you can join us on Twitter. You can join us on Discord. Um, you can also call our hotline and we can play it on the next episodes. And don't forget, get to the chopper. <laughs> Run, go, get to the chopper. Yeah. That's the awesome. one. 
So thank you so much, everybody, for being here. And we hope to see you next time. Bye. Well, this is all for now. Reach out to us and let us know what do you think about this episode. Share your comments and let us discuss this episode and any ideas on topics you would like us to discuss on future episodes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sci-Fi Remnant. Would you like to join our Discord server? The link is posted in the description. Remember, if you like this show, do share, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Doing this will help others find and enjoy this show. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off.